0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We heard in today a parable about a vineyard and tenants who were in charge of that vineyard, and the meaning of this parable would not be lost upon first Judean century, Judean leaders. You see, the vineyard was a long-standing metaphor for the people of God, and you see this in Isaiah chapter 5. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and he cleared it of stones and he planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes. But it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there for me? uh, What was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its walls, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. I will. It will. It shall not be pruned or hoed. And briars and thorns shall grow up. And I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. God had always desired from ancient times to make his people bear fruit. There is a metaphor again. So what were the grapes that they were to produce? Isaiah says, justice and righteousness. When we hear the term righteousness, we might think of moral superiority, but the Israelites would connect that term to Abraham and his faith. God had made a promise to Abraham, I have your back, I will bless you, I will protect you, and I will make you a great nation. And he trusted in that promise, and that was counted as righteousness, his trust in Yahweh God. Justice, the second term, describes the application of divine ethics in a social realm their justice, their behavior toward others was to be an outgrowth of their trust in Yahweh God. If they indeed trusted and loved Him, they would also take care of each other and others. Isaiah presented this parable to identify problems among the ancient Israelites. Isaiah we're talking about. They did not trust Yahweh by and large. They were turning to other gods. Or they were turning to other foreign nations for their protection. Yahweh doesn't have our back. Maybe the Assyrians, maybe the Egyptians, maybe the Babylonians. There was injustice, the abuse of power for self-enrichment. Other prophets talked about the leaders having paneled homes, ivory decorations at the expense of the poor, the orphan, the widow, the marginalized in society. And so Isaiah foretells the consequence. The vineyard, the nation, would be destroyed. This background would be immediately understood by Jesus' contemporaries when he tells a parable of a vineyard and workers in the vineyard. The tenets would be understood as those who were to care for God's people, the priests, the teachers, other religious leaders. These tenets finally killed the son so that they could preserve their own status. The not-so-subtle point made by Jesus' contemporaries was this. The Judean religious leaders refused to acknowledge the authority of Jesus because they did not acknowledge the authority of God himself. They were rather intent on preserving their own status and their own wealth. The priesthood in first century Judea was an opportunity for self-enrichment. It was often treated like a political football. In the minds of some, it provided not so much an opportunity to serve God, but an opportunity for self-aggrandizement. The long-standing feud between competing families for this influential office had led to strife, intrigue, sectarianism, hypocrisy, and bloodshed. Indeed, one group of Judeans became so disgusted about corruption in the priesthood that they washed their hands of the entire proceedings. They withdrew to the region of the Dead Sea, and they waited for the teacher of righteousness to one day come and cleanse the temple. That teacher of righteousness did come, but not in a manner expected. God did send his son, Jesus, And the leading religious leaders only saw him as a threat to their authority. So they would kill him. But in doing so, they were placing themselves as enemies of God himself, the owner of the vineyard and the father of the only begotten son of God. The consequence is that caring for God's people would pass to others. And these leaders would find themselves excluded from the vineyard. We can all take to heart the lessons of this parable. God desires for us. God desires us for his own possession. And God would have us bear fruit. That is, he would have our trust in his grace and his love grow stronger. And he would have us respond by treating others with justice and integrity. But I note that this particular parable is aimed at the tenets of God's people, those whom God has called to be their leaders. And so it would be a misapplication of this parable not to make some pointed remarks to all the leaders of this institution devoted to Christ. To administrators, to faculty, and also to those preparing for church vocations. What points might those be? Well, here is one obvious point, but one about which you and I become forgetful. This institution does not belong to you or to me, it belongs to Christ. This, of course, is true for all people in a more general way. Our lives are not our own, to do with as we will. They are a gift from the Creator. But more particularly, in the day-to-day work of going to meetings, monitoring budgets, preparing lessons, evaluating work, we might forget that the opportunity to serve others here is a gift, not a right or a possession, and that we all answer to Christ. Another point follows from the first. God intends you administrators. God intends us faculty. God intends you future church workers, the tenants, to produce fruit. This parable focuses not upon endowments or enrollment or building programs or degrees. It's not that these are unimportant. They are important. But the parable would suggest a primary focus upon justice and righteousness. Justice is your yes, yes and your no, no. Are you fair in your dealings with others? Do you regularly submit your vocation to evaluation under God's divine and holy will? Righteousness. Are your words and deeds informed and motivated by faith in Christ? How do your activities, in a more or less direct fashion, point to faith in Christ? Do you regularly come to the altar on your knees seeking grace? I cannot answer any of these questions for you. I can only answer them for myself. And if I take these ideas seriously as I should, I recognize my failings. So let me conclude with a gospel call to us all these next few days. Jesus himself produces what you and I cannot produce on our own. He is the true vine. When we are engrafted into him, he delivers us from withering self-enrichment. He engrafts us into something larger than ourselves. He empowers us to achieve that which does not stand for only a semester or only an academic year, but for all eternity the exploration of truth, which does not pass away, sharing gracious words and deeds with others, which become treasured memories, forgiveness for failures and shortcomings, indeed the creation and the strengthening of new life here at this place which belongs to Christ. So over the next few days, here is my call. Pause. Reflect. In Christ, we all find new life. Come again to the cross and the empty tomb. Again, find your identity and your life united with Christ. Amen.